0: Merry Christmas, City Hope. This is good to see you this weekend, and we really believe and pray for you to have a wonderful Merry Christmas with your family, your loved ones, staying safe and protected, but just enjoying the season. Thank you for being here. Uh, I borrowed the title of a Christmas carol for this message. You all know it, it's old little town of Bethlehem. And if you think about the simple unassuming birth of a baby boy 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, that event has caused quite a commotion. The night Jesus was born in Bethlehem, no one knew the world would ever be the same. The father's plan for the presence of his son on earth started in a place within a human being and fulfilled his promises. There is significance in the place where this started. When Jesus was born, the world at large didn't even notice. Life went on as if nothing happened. People were not looking for him. Therefore, they didn't know he was born. Most people today are not looking for him, but most acknowledge the holiday. They're they're looking for presents, of course. Only the people who knew he was being born made a decision to be there in Bethlehem based on the limited information they had. He was born in a specific place, not so important as the manger, the stable, which is actually in the side of a mountain wall, but the town of Bethlehem. This little town is about five miles south of Jerusalem. And when the Bible says that Mary and Joseph left Galilee and went up to Bethlehem, it's about a 70-mile trek. She's riding on a donkey. But when they get to Bethlehem, this, this takes on a whole new meaning. Because this little town is actually a little cradle itself. And in this cradle is where the Savior of the world is born. But why is this place so important? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament and you go to the prophet Micah and you read, you're going to hear what the Lord spoke to him and he wrote in Micah 5.2. But you Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Ephrathah is distinguishing Bethlehem in the Old Testament from Bethlehem of Zeppelin to Bethlehem of Judea. This is Bethlehem of Judea. So that's why that word's there. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. In other words, hey, this is God coming to earth to exist. Then you drop to verse four, and he shall stand and feed his flock. That's us. That's believers. In the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, and they shall abide for now, he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Here's what that means. It means he's not just the Messiah for Israel, but he is going to be the savior of the world. So this prophet calls Bethlehem the least of Judah and God chooses this non-obvious place, Bethlehem. It's on the road to nowhere at the edge of the wilderness of Judea. So God likes to take the smallest, inconsequential places to birth miracles. God likes surprises that speak to us through situations and out-of-way places, and Bethlehem does that. It was David's hometown. We know the story of the prophet Samuel who came to Jesse's house in Bethlehem looking for the next king of Israel. And, and Jesse lines up his sons and he says, is this it? He said, no, there is a, a runt. There's the smallest one who is in the wilderness taking care of the sheep send for him when he comes he looks at him and he says he will be the next king of israel here's the point people look on the outside but god looks on the inside here was the prophet who chose someone because of his heart and not his statue and his appearance that's why bethlehem is the least of judah and then a nobody girl a teenager a virgin with her fiance comes to this little town of just a few hundred people and there brings the king of kings into the world. In other words, here's what I'm saying. Bethlehem is a place of providential design in people's lives. God literally used this out of way place, a little way out of town for great people to come out of to work in our lives and change our lives. Here's the reason this place is important because in this place there is nourishment, there's life, and there is, uh, in, in the natural, there's encouragement, there's life, and there's n- nourishment in the natural and in the spiritual. So let me show you. I got off track. Nourishment comes from the, the, the grain and the wheat. The plains of Bethlehem, at that time, they would grow a lot of wheat and grain. Life comes from the wells in Bethlehem. They're famously known for the water of, of, from the wells of Bethlehem. And then encouragement comes from this little quiet place, this solitude place because it's outside of the city and it's right on the edge of the wilderness. Here's this little place of cradle that is, that is a place of solitude and it brings encouragement there. So Bethlehem is symbolic to every believer and every person listening to me needs a Bethlehem, a spiritual Bethlehem. I'll show you why. Bethlehem is where promises are kept. You know, it represents nourishment, grain and wheat. They use grain and wheat to make bread. Bread represents the word of God, the Bible, the word of God would you like a place that you can go where 100% of the promises that have been made are going to be fulfilled? I would. We all know the feeling of disappointment when someone breaks promises. God's promises that were made have been kept. Every promise he's made will be kept. 4,000 years before Christ was born, God promised in Genesis three that the seed of a woman would crush the head of the servant. That promise was fulfilled in Bethlehem. 2,000 years before Christ was born, A man named Job said, I know my redeemer lives and and he shall stand at last on the earth. And that happened in Bethlehem. God promised 2,000 years before Christ was born through Abraham that all the nations would be blessed. And that promise was kept. 1,000 years before Christ was born, a prophet named Nathan made a promise that from David's lineage that the Messiah would come. You read that lineage and that's where the Messiah came from. That promise was kept 700 years before Christ was born. Isaiah said, and you've heard this this season many times, this verse, but it's an important verse. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Watch. This promise is fulfilled every time you encounter the presence of God. It's not just a verse, it is a promise. And when you, when you encounter that promise, it's because you're in the presence of God. 400 years before Christ is born, Malachi said that one would come and represent God as a forerunner of the Messiah himself. 15 months before Christ was born, Elizabeth is pregnant with that forerunner, the promised John the Baptist. Nine months before Christ is born, Mary was told she would carry the promised child, Emmanuel. Time and time again, the word of God resounds with a promise. We need a Bethlehem. We need that place where God says, I keep my word. I keep my promises to my people. And now we're looking at a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit, birthed the child called Jesus, and his presence will always be here for us, in us. He will never leave us. Nothing can separate us from his presence. That's why I can say everyone needs a Bethlehem where the presence of God is birthed and promises are kept. Another reason we need a Bethlehem is Bethlehem is where we relate to God. It's nourishment, and then it's life. Life is in the refreshing well of the living water. Our God is a God who now has come to the earth, born in a manger, in a stable. Our God has become one of us, but not in the Old Testament. The Old Testament's the book of, of the Testament of law, and God was either behind a veil or he was on top of a mountain with lightning flashing and thunder coming down. His nature didn't change in the New Testament, but how he relates to us changes because grace came. And now when you pray, if you feel hurt and and fearful and confused, he's not a distant God. He, He understands what you're going through. So when we pray to a throne of mercy now, Jesus, the high priest is in heaven now and he's there and he's merciful toward all of us. He came to earth as a human being. So he came, so he would understand what is going on in your life. The Bible says he's moved with the feelings of our infirmities. He's moved with the pain in our life, the suffering, and he understands. The best story to, to, to illustrate this is the one in the New Testament of the woman at the well. This story, this woman has gone from relationship to relationship. People have just turned against her. She's hopeless. And in John four ten, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And then she says to him sir you have nothing to draw with this is in the natural and with the and the well is so deep where do you get that living water we all know a good well has good water and you draw from it it's going to satisfy your thirst and a bad well well it either produces bad water or no water and and whoever's drawing that is going to end up staying thirsty but the water the living water represents love and affirmation and hope When we continue to seek water from someone or something that can't give it, it's like seeking water from a bad well. God puts people in your lives that have the power to affirm, encourage, and love you in special ways. But these people may be empty wells themselves and unwilling, unable to fill you up. So we end up thirsty. The well we're trying to draw from is empty. People have been empty so long they they don't even recognize their unmet need in their lives. Our society as a whole has a lot of people filling their lives with anything and everything they can get a hold of trying to relieve that emptiness. The truth is many people don't even know how empty they are. But the day you realize my well is empty, when you realize, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm dry, I'm drying up, it's time to visit Bethlehem. But understand the well is not the source. It simply gives access to the source. So if you're in the middle of a drought, spiritually dry and drying up, this woman, she encounters the source of the living water. And Jesus opened up the doors of love and he, he accepted her with no judgment, no condemnation into his presence. So how long are we gonna keep going to that source and trying to get peace from that source, from that person, from that information, from whatever we're trying to get to when it's not giving us what we need? Everybody needs Bethlehem because we need a place where we drink from the water of life, and we need a place where the promises are kept. And then another reason, Bethlehem is where peace is offered. In this quiet solitude place, out of the city, out of the wilderness. Here's a place that you can receive the peace, the encouragement of God. Jesus said in John 14:27: Peace I leave you. Not just any peace, my peace I give to you. Not as the world does, gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid so listen today peace is a rare commodity today most people go to church to find peace most people attend church to get a deep rest inside their spirit man peace today is the highest commodity on the earth it's the highest and here's why because there is more fear today on our earth than ever in the history of man. There's more people on the earth, there are more things going on, there's more fear on the earth and then there's fewer people in church than ever before. So, peace is a rare commodity. And and what we have to understand is there's no ironclad rule that Jesus came 2000 years ago and and the earth's gonna be locked up in peace today. No, peace from God isn't the absence of a war or terrorism or, or the political situation no, no here's why because God's peace is an abiding peace so Bethlehem is the place where peace is offered many refused it that day many refuse it today why do we need peace well here's why we need peace one peace is how God guides us Colossians three fifteen, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts the Greek word for rule there is umpire So there's an agent, there's an umpire that's going to tell you the difference between wrong and right. You know, everybody's got an opinion right now and it's not even worth a cup of coffee anymore. Everybody has an opinion, but if you let the agent, the Holy Spirit speak to your heart, he'll tell you what the difference is in right and wrong. And then here's what the world that we live in is attempting to do. It's attempting to paint gray what God says is black and white. The word of God is black and white. It's not gray. The world's trying to paint it gray. So what do you do? You turn to the peace that's going to guide you, and it will explain to you the truth. Another reason we need peace is it protects our minds and hearts. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 7, he said, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Greek word for guard is a military term to protect by military guard to prevent a military invasion. I have always believed that the number one spirit that attacks a believer is the spirit of fear. And so when you turn to peace to guide you, to guide you, then what does God do? He sets a guard over your mind, over your emotions. He guards that. And, and another thing about peace, it's our platform for our witness. In Ephesians six fifteen, the armor of God's described at the very end and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace shod feet. What is that? Well, remember Paul's writing this, looking at a Roman guard, Roman soldier, Roman soldiers had cleats on the bottom of their shoes. Why? So they could advance going uphill against an enemy. You understand the church will never advance on our society with the gospel until we have something they want. And what we have and what we need is peace because that is the fresh commodity that our world is looking at. Oh, I know it doesn't look like they're empty and looking for peace, but I promise you when it all settles down at the end of the night, you close your eyes, there is an emptiness and a void in there because you do not have the peace of God that brings confidence in your life that God is in control. So today a person full of peace, a believer is a precious commodity. And listen, I'm I'm talking about real peace. I'm not talking about some religious peace. I'm not talking about some goofy, shady stuff. I'm talking about the peace of Jesus Christ. And listen, peace is our purpose too. Peace is our purpose. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. The New Testament church knew they had the right to peace and they would speak it and they'd call it. And then they were told, now you're an ambassador of peace. But listen, to share peace, to spread peace, you've got to have peace. You can't give away what you don't have. Here's what our world needs. Our world needs reconciliation. Reconciliation is the restoration of peace. Not not resolving a war, a conflict, terrorism, political stuff. No, it's peace with God. When we have peace with God in our hearts, then we can give it to other people. Now, you may be listening to me. You may be thinking, okay, okay, okay. I've tried... I've had a hard time living in Bethlehem in 2020. I, I see where you're going, Pastor. It's been hard believing the promises. It's hard having an active relationship with Jesus. But now you're saying, I should, I should be living in peace. And I don't know if I can right now. Maybe when the pandemic is over, may, maybe when a new president comes in, or, or maybe when the racial issues are resolved, or maybe when things go back to normal. But yes, it's, sometimes it's difficult to live in Bethlehem. Sometimes it's hard to live in Bethlehem. But now you know we need Bethlehem. So what do we need to do? What do I need to do? Move to Bethlehem? Spiritually, yes. Yes. There's a perfect story in the Old Testament, the settings in Bethlehem. So much happens in Bethlehem. The fields are full of wheat and barley and the wells are full of water for livestock and life. There's four characters in the story, a husband, a wife, and two sons. And there comes a famine in the land of Bethlehem. Here's the famine in Bethlehem, no bread, no water makes a difficult time, makes a hard time. We haven't been without bread and water. They were without bread and water. A famine moves people closer to God or away from God. A difficult time in your life will move you toward God or away from God. Well, what causes a famine in the Middle East? No water, because without water, the number one resource, a famine is quickly a serious problem. A spiritual famine, a famine, Is no living water. No living water is a serious problem, really quick, because then the lives of people are dry and they're dry and they're dying spiritually. And you either move closer to God or you move away or you move to Moab. Now, in the Bible, according to the law of Moses, there's a land called Moab, and Moab is under a curse. Here's what that means that means that God's promises cannot operate there. The promises of God could not operate. So this family moves from the house of bread because it's a hard time and they go to where God's promises can't operate. They go to Moab's like the world. That's a type of the world. After there a while, the father dies. Two sons marry two Moabite women, then the two sons die. And then you have a widow who has no husband, no son, no children, no grandchildren. She has two daughters-in-law and then she hears something in Moab in the world in where God's blessings can't be, she hears a word that God is blessing with fresh bread in Bethlehem. So this family has, has moved away. Here, here's what she said in Ruth 1:6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, or she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. She left Bethlehem The famine moves her away from God to the curse, to the world's system, the world's thinking, the world's ideals, and and this curse in this place, she hears God's visited again. She's lost her concept of God. Life is hard. Life's difficult. It is painful. She's still looking for a place, but she left the place. People are looking for truth even while living in Moab. What people in Moab need is fresh bread. People need a Bethlehem where the promises are kept, where life is giving relationship and, 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 and lasting pieces in their lives. So Moab, people in Moab will see there is a place with bread for nourishment and living water when they see it in us. You see, there's two Bethlehems. You, you are a Bethlehem. Your church is a Bethlehem, your house of bread. This is where you're fed. This is spiritually where you're nourished. This is spiritually, this place is not about opinions and man's ideas. This is about the word of God and the spirit of God this is where the holy spirit you encounter his presence to get corporately and so the holy spirit can move and touch your heart and let that well start flowing inside of you again so to understand this the truth is and and people don't know this people in moab people in the world don't know this but but they, they really don't want bread i mean they want bread they don't want religion uh, they don't want a personality they're, 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 It's not about political correctness. It's, it's not about emotionalism inside. They they're really empty. The only reason people leave Moab is if they find out there's bread in the house of God. Moab is not the answer. What the world is, is not the, and maybe what the world is doing started out being the norm and now, now it's popular, but sooner or later they're miserable in Moab because they need to connect to and experience truth. The sad thing is that some people leave church with the same hunger as the people in Moab. Oh, they sang the songs, they heard the sermon just like it was a, aftermit, a, a dinner aftermint instead of a meal. They, they, they come away from the house of prayer having not prayed. They come away from the house of worship having not worshiped. So listen, I'm gonna give you this little insight. It's really simple. Here's our problem. Here's the world's problem. But here's our problem as as the church. Our problem is that we have yet to see very many people really hungry spiritually. Yeah, it went over like that in the last service too. We're listening to too many voices, too many resources that we're trying to get living water from and the world can't give it to you. And we are not spiritually hungry. We're trying to survive. We're trying to outsmart a system. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. And the very thing that we need, we've become lax in pursuing, and that's spiritual hunger. You can shout me down later. It doesn't matter. When people become hungry for truth, will they find a Bethlehem in you? Will they find a Bethlehem? Will they find the peace of God in us? I hope so because peace is that platform, the witness, the influence of our witness. And if you're not walking in peace, listen, if you're not walking in peace, you're not thinking about witnessing because you're distracted, you're confused. When you're walking in peace, you think about others. You look at someone, you're concerned about them. You have compassion toward them. If you're not walking in peace, listen, this is gonna hurt your feelings, but good. No one is gonna really listen to what you have to say. Because your rant, your opinion, and all this stuff you're saying sounds like the world. Sounds like everybody else's. You're just on a different soapbox. And then you want a pastor to stand in God's pulpit and get on a soapbox. No, the only thing we're going to get on is the Word of God and stand on the Word of God and we're going to teach the Word of God and believe the Word of God. You have to decide what you're going to do. Because no one's listening to you. See, unbelievers can sense the fear, the anxiety, all of that in you. They know know there's no peace in you, so they're not even attracted to it. Today, a person, a believer full of peace, you are a precious commodity, and God wants to use you in this day and time. Listen, the reason the disciples couldn't speak peace to the storm while they're in the boat is because they didn't have peace on the inside. You can't give away what you don't have. If you could have looked at the inside of the disciples, you would see a troubled sea. You look at the inside of Jesus, you see a calm seat. Jesus spoke peace, peace broke out. They couldn't speak peace because inside they're in turmoil. Are you in turmoil in your home, in your Bethlehem? Are you in turmoil in your marriage, in your life, in your health, in your family? Well, if you are, you need peace because Jesus said, if there's peace here, I can speak peace. Our mission is to be a distributor of peace. And by the way, it should start in your own house. It should start with your own family. It should start. If there's turmoil, if there's a storm, you need to say, Jesus, I need your peace, and I'm going to start speaking peace in my house over my family. So here's here's the the bottom line, here's the question, and I'm finished. How do I get this peace? I'm glad you asked. This is so simple, but stay with me as I clarify it. You get this peace by submission to the Lordship of Christ. So watch this. You've heard this verse several times. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. The government is not the Roman government. The the government is not some communist country. The, The government is not the government of the United States. No, 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 no. The government that he's talking about is the government that's in your life. What's governing your life? Who's the governor of your life? So watch, government and peace are always directly proportional. So if you're 5% in the will of God, 5% of he's governing your life, then you have access to 5% of God's peace. If you're 50% in the will of God, you got one leg in, one leg over here, you're straddling this thing, then you have access to 50% of God's peace. To get total peace in God, you have to totally submit to God, and when you totally submit your Bethlehem to God, you get his abiding peace that cannot be shaken and cannot be stolen. It's an old little town of Bethlehem. There's one line in the song I close with. This line says this. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Let me read it again this way. The hopes and fears of all this year of 2020 are met in you today. Today. You realize that in a few weeks we go into a new year and so many people, so many people that are spiritually immature think well we're gonna flip that switch to 21 and everything's gonna be great it's not gonna be great i don't think anything will ever be the norm again i just think it's just this this the life we're gonna we're gonna see it unfold it's just gonna be this and crazier and this and that and then it's gonna be that and this and why because we're leading up to the return of christ of course but but here's the thing listen the way you go in you don't have to wait to january 1st today You can have this peace that abides in you. You, Bethlehem, can be set aside for the peace of God that passes all understanding so that whatever's going on in the world doesn't affect your peace. So you sleep at night, so you love your spouse, you love your kids, you're focused on your God, you're worshiping your God, you're giving to your God, you're following your God because you're listening to peace and not what the world says. The world is full of deception. The world's full of lies. God is full of truth. I wanna pray for you. Lord, I ask you to speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come speak to our hearts. And if there are any listening that are dry and dying in this place, I ask you, Lord, to let them see that in Bethlehem, in the house of bread, there's nourishment, there's life. Lord, that there's encouragement, there's peace within you. And I ask you, Lord, to speak to everyone hearing this word. And open their eyes of understanding of how to turn their situations around and let them be a Bethlehem so the world can see that our God is a God of peace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.